Welcome to the Soul Podcast. Great stories, tough issues, grace in the real world. We are back and into episode three. Now, part three is where the conversation gets deep. Our issues today, fatherlessness, manhood, and identity in Christ. And this was a good one. Gabriel Nieves and Tadis Ross are both back in the studio. Both of them work with inner city kids where the culture of fatherlessness and hyper-masculinity is pervasive. And they serve as role models of a new image of manhood, reformed in Christ. They also both have sons, so this stuff is personal. And I love talking to these guys. This episode was a blast. Serious subject, but you know what it's like when you get into a conversation with some truly interesting people who are passionate, articulate, and really know their subject, academically and personally. That was this episode for me. And that's how the Soul Podcast works. Every issue gets four episodes. First two episodes, we get the backstory. And those are some good stories. Don't miss those. Then three and four, we dig into the issues together. And this one is personal for me, too. I've been working with teenagers for 20 years now, and my own son just entered the adult world of college this year. I started manhood talks with him back when he was 11, and some of his friends joined over the years. So I've got some thoughts of my own on this issue. And I think you're going to like this one. I truly believe that there is not a single more important cultural issue in modern society than fatherlessness. One quick announcement before we get started. If you like the Soul Podcast, please help us share it. And here is your opportunity. The first eight weeks of a podcast are critical to launching well, because now and only now is our opportunity to climb into the new and noteworthy section on iTunes and Spotify. Now, what we need to get featured are four things. We need you to rate, review, subscribe, and share. Two R's, two S's. Rate, review, subscribe, and share, especially on iTunes and Spotify. So next week, we're going to launch a little contest, and we'll be giving away a bunch of Through the Word and Soul Podcast swag. To enter, all you got to do is rate, review, subscribe, and share. Now, that contest starts next week, but you can go ahead and get started to help us launch well right now. Wait till the podcast is over, and I'll remind you about it. All right, time to get started. The Soul Podcast is a production of Through the Word, All Rights Reserved. Find all our episodes as they launch weekly every Friday at soulpodcast.com. So let's get to it. you got to hear this story. Welcome to the Soul Podcast. First, I want to introduce everybody in the studio. Brad Hornback, welcome back again, Brad. I'm back again. Good to see you. And back with us, Gabriel Nieves. Hey, what's up, man? I got your name right, didn't I? All Nieves? right. Yeah, you sure did. Hablo poquito español. There we go. There we Orale. go. Right, that, that was about it. Oh, man, y'all got to stop. <laughs> Tadis Ross, welcome to the studio. How you guys doing, man? We're um, doing good. Blessed, blessed. Tadis um, is a dad. How many boys you got? Four. Four boys. Is he, are you the winner? Is he the winner? I'm the winner. Winner. Winner, wow. winner, winner chicken winner. dinner. All right. You, you better have the best answers. <laughs> Titi's also a teacher yes. in uh, in the Monrovia School District. Yes, sir. Teaching boys right at that place who are, where they're becoming men. Got girls in your classroom as well. Just a few. But and, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And Gabriel's a pastor. Yes. At Hope Alive in Santa Ana. Beautiful city. And God has opened doors in the public schools for you as well as you're reaching out at the high schools. And working at the junior highs, doing release time, the high schools, at the Bible clubs there. Opportunity to speak into young lives. Yes. Now, a heart of our issue for this episode is going to be our identity in Christ as a man. And how does that get formed? But first, 
let's uh, let's get our ground rules again from Brad. All right, guys, rules. We, I mean, you guys heard them before, but hey, all the listeners out there as well, just respect the stories. You know that that are going to be told. Humility before wisdom. Uh, humble. Woo, tough one, right? Grace always. I mean, that's what you know. Grace. And then God exalted. That's the most important part right there. We want to we want to shine God's glory right here. So there you go, Chris. We lay those rules down, I, not just for us. I know you guys will respect the story yeah. and the rest of that. But for our audience as well, when you start talking tough issues and people start getting political, at, sometimes you got to lay some ground rules. Yeah. We're going to exalt God first. We're going to show some humility before we try to throw out our wisdom. Right now, I'm going to throw out a statement to uh, challenge you guys. I just want to see how you guys respond to this. Okay. This statement. The single greatest challenge and threat to modern society is fatherlessness. Facts. Absolutely. Facts. Facts. There's a lot of things that threaten society today. Facts. What is the big deal? Why is fatherlessness such a big deal? Um, I'll go first. Is it okay? Um, I was speaking to someone outside, and because I told my wife, she is the most important figure in my children's life. The boys. She's the most. She was the first nurturer. She's the first educator. She was the first environment for my family. Right. Mm-hmm. Every boy. She's the first one. They meet her first. That's I, how it works. I don't even meet them. I don't even meet them until it's uh twelve a.m. <laughs> we got to rush to the hospital. <laughs> I don't meet them. I don't know these guys. <laughs> you can talk through the wall. <laughs> yeah, talk through the wall. You know what I mean? But um, but the situation is, I definitely see it. The absence of a father changes the trajectory of a child's life. Even in his absence, he's the most influential. He didn't even have to be there to do something wrong. He didn't have to be there to have malfeasance and spit malfeasance because a lot of times a child's affirmation and their value, their extrinsic value, because you have extrinsic value before you learn intrinsic value. What does your father think about you? What does your mom think about you? So sometimes it devalues you. I thought that my father loved crack more than he loved me. Mm-hmm. I'm like I'm not I'm not as valuable as a as an inanimate substance. Hmm. My mom was there. <laughs> Gabriel, what do you think happens when uh, when there's just not a dad around? What happens in the mind and the heart of that kid? I think the same thing. Uh, they see. I like to say when we go into the city and our students and our children, man, that we deal with, they they want we want to teach them the ABCs. What what does that mean? Okay, what I've learned, and I know you can attest to that, is. They want to be accepted. They want to be believed in, and they want to be celebrated. Yeah. You know? Yep. And, I, and I understood this. And when a child, that doesn't happen from their father, it messes with their identity. They just, I, I've noticed they, they begin to look for this acceptance. They begin to be celebrated in other areas, and they just become more vulnerable to, mm-hmm. to things that are out there, you know? So I know that. When the dad is not there, or like to D said, man, like I, I thought my dad as well, he loved alcohol more than me, you know, and that messed with me, you know. So I began to just kind of, without really voicing my opinion so much, I began to get bitter and I began to, my worth, I was like, man, I guess nobody does love me. Because so what's the effect on society? I'm talking about not just kids here, but but how does that lay, play over? Do we have a fatherlessness issue in America? Yes, we do. Because there's accountability and responsibility that hasn't been the obligations. When we have, I'm not going to, we're not going to get political, right? We're not. But we are going to get factual. When they instituted birth control, it means that now you can indulge in these 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 situations and these activities without any natural repercussion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was a cultural shift. <laughs> it was major. a cultural shift, right? So now yeah. we have boys and girls who are indulging in these situations and using, you know, 
other forms of pregnancy prevention or maybe sometimes Sometimes after after the fact, fact, right? And then they don't have to deal with the responsibility and obligation of what they've created as an adult. And now we have young girls because your daughter, the first template that she's going to recognize is how you treat her mom. And she will mm-hmm. use that template for her future suitors. How did you treat your mom and how did you treat her? Yeah. So then when a future suitor comes and then that, it, and when I have, when I choose a, a future suitor, because he who finds a wife finds a good thing. I, f- I think I find a good wife, right? And she might even be good, but I'm not good. And then she's, she doesn't have any template to judge by. It starts to degrade society because now we have some more broken families. Mm-hmm. And now we have more broken people. Preventing, producing more broken people. Yeah, producing more broken people. There's a cycle. Take me into. <laughs> take me into. <clears throat> you're growing up inner city. What does fatherhood mean to you and your friends? When you see fatherhood, when you're thinking about when what kids thinking about, hey, I might be a dad someday. What is even in that? Does that sound like obligation, responsibility? What's involved? Know. Well, for for myself, you know, when I found mm-hmm. out that my wife was pregnant, it was like, it was kind of like bittersweet. And I'll be honest, because I was so excited, like, oh, man, I'm going to be a dad. Uh-huh. But then I got scared. Wait, I don't know how to be a dad. I, 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 I never had a good example of a father. And, uh-huh. man, what if, what if the, the, the generation curse is, it is true? And what if, mm. man, what if I am a horrible dad? And I began, there was a, sec, there was a, a, a time there where I was literally going up to my, all the elders and asking for prayer. And they were like, so you're scared to be a dad? They kind of didn't understand because they grew up with a dad. And and this is and then so I began to open up and that's what happens, man. You become insecure, you know? Yeah. And even in myself, I, I noticed that, thank God for his word and just for the accountability and the men and the examples I've had as a as a Christian. But a lot of these kids we deal with, man. They don't have these role models. They don't have examples. I'll tell you a quick story. There's this kid that um, Henry loved the man, but his example of a father was, and bless his dad, hardworking father, man. He's a gardener, you know, and he had five kids, and they were living in a garage in Santa Ana. And um, Henry told me, man, I hate my dad. And I would tell him, well, Henry, your dad's doing everything he can for you guys right now. You know, his mom was deported. It was a whole, that's a whole nother subject, mm-hmm. you know, but mom was taken away. And he, and so we get, we get, have the chance to meeting Henry at the high schools and we're talking to him and he's telling me, well, how come God doesn't give me another father? And then, I'm, and then we begin to, okay, so obviously there's a father issue there. And we started finding out, man, that. Dad was an alcoholic, you know. He would drink his problems away. and But little Henry started hanging around with us. These melt me and Pastor Tommy. And he would just come around us. And I remember the day he said, he told me and Pastor Tommy, I want to be like you guys when I grow up, right? I want, man, and, and we were like, whoa, this is serious. This kid is looking up to us, right? So sure enough, Henry started coming around, man. It was for a good six months of the church. We're discipling them, getting involved with the youth. There was this men's retreat. We went to a men's retreat. And I'll never forget, man, um, little Henry was like, can I go to the men's retreat? And we're like, nah, you don't want to go with those grown men, man. They're, they're a bunch of crybabies, <laughs> and they're all going to be confessing. We didn't want to do that, right? Mm-hmm. To the, we, didn't wanna, we thought it wasn't a good atmosphere for Henry, right? Mm-hmm. So the situation hadn't changed. We're still trying to help them. They were still in the garage and living there and stuff like that. And what ends up happening, man, that Friday night, you know, he was like, I don't want to hang out with my brothers and my dad. 
So he goes on and hangs out with, with his homeboys, the, the guys in the neighborhood. Yeah. Rival gang members show up and they murder him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we were, and then I just remember when I, when, when that news came to us, we were like, man, like, you know, it, it just sucks the life out of you. And then you just, be, I think that just kind of ignited us more like, Lord, whatever ch- children or kids or, or young men you bring to us, we want to be available for them. We don't want to say, man, we should have, because then we started asking, what if we would have took them to the yeah. men's retreat? Yeah. Yeah. What if, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, you can't play that. You can't yeah. do that. Yeah. I mean, we can't <laughs> do that. I mean, yeah. but you I mean, you're going to, but you yeah. can't. Like, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, man, similar story. I have a, a little guy that I used to, he's from Nixon Gardens Projects and Watts, and I used to pick him up all the time. I talked to him at 8.57, July 10th, um, 2011, and he died, I want to say 9.13 p.m., so I talk, he had died approximately 17 minutes after I talk. I keep, I keep his number on my phone. And I didn't get to, I knew I should have brought the gospel to him, but I was trying to get it to him on his own terms. Like, hey, it's okay. Mm-hmm. He was going to McDonald's, got shot in his back, went through his heart, died. And my, what, what is the catalyst for me, and I, I, yeah, I'm not going to cry, is that I have, I'm already O and 2. I've lost two people that I was supposed to, Charles Lamont, uh, H.B. Yarbrough III, I've lost both of them to violent crime. They've been murdered. Mm. And it and it hurts my heart. It hurts my heart. So I, I get it. Because yeah. when, when people, when they're be fatherhood, they think fatherhood in the hood, they're like, oh, I'm going to buy my baby a pair of Jordans. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take a picture mm-hmm. with them. I'm like, are you crazy? Like, you know, a Similac, you know about dental. I just put <laughs> a, a, a Civic in my son's mouth. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he needs braces. <laughs> These are real things. And like one of my students, he says, hey, Mr. Ross, I want you to do the gender reveal. I'm like, boy, you need a job. Yeah. <laughs> the baby needs a crib. <laughs> you think there's a, there's an element of Instagram fatherhood? We oh, just yes. take the pictures of showing up at some big moments. It's superficial. It's, it's, oh, it's yeah. on the surface. Yeah, uh-huh. it's ceremonial. They, it's all pomp and circumstance. It's not the real gritty. Like, you know, when you got to rock your baby to sleep because mm-hmm. your wife is tired. And you don't know what to do. And then Amen. your baby's been breastfeeding, so you got your shirt off, and you're like, hold on. It's not that kind of part. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Absolutely. because you're trying to get your wife some sleep and your baby on your chest, and your baby is looking for something that's not supposed to be there. And, I mean, these are real situations. Yeah. They don't know about biting this is fatherhood. The, yeah, biting Welcome the nipple. Yeah. So the cereal, when you're making a cereal bottle and you got to bite the nipple, if you don't know, if you don't have a cereal nipple because yeah. you got to put that baby to sleep, that's real. The these church fatherhood need, discussions. <laughs> church knee when you put the baby yeah. on your chin you, it's a church knee I, my grandmother and you pop you put them on your knee and you rock and you hit them on their back now do you think there's an element where, where boys are saying oh that's all girl stuff because that's what they've seen the moms take care of all this well absolutely in the culture that I grew up in that that was it yeah the women do all that you know it was very like hey I, I know we we're talking about it a little bit but I grew up in a culture where the women watch the kids and they do all that stuff. We're supposed to be like, we're supposed to providers. We go to work and we come back and our food is supposed to be ready. And man, I tried that. It does not work in my, in my house. <laughs> Make two of us. No. <laughs> my wife was like, I don't know, man, but you got this culture thing all wrong. No. It doesn't work here. Not in the Nieves home. Right. So, but yeah, I think it is, it's kind of passed down. Like if you have a, we call them in the neighborhood a deadbeat dad. You know, uh, yeah. you got a, a dad that's just there, doesn't do nothing. All he does is goes to work, comes back, and 
They don't engage. If he even goes to work. It, yeah, and if, if he, he exactly, if he's there. Yeah. If he's there. And the bar of expectation is so low that if he stays and he goes to work, oh, he's doing go star. Job. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. the bar of expectation, like I had a student that graduated this year. Mm. He had approximately 20, maybe 25 people come show up, and he was the first person to graduate. That was heartbreaking and 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 disheartening. At the, it was heartbreaking and heartwarming at the same yeah. time, yeah. simultaneously. The bar of expectation is so low for our, <laughs> for our, our boys now. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, you know, you can give 30 bucks a week, if yeah. that, then you're And good. I think it's, a lot of times, it's the, it's the girls, it's the women who are lowering that bar. Definitely. Who are, are saying, you know, if, if he's just even around, that's that's mm-hmm. enough for me. We'll because their father him. wasn't even around. So right? their father, that's a step they up. They haven't seen it. Yeah. Like, I tell the little girls, like, I do have a couple little girls, and I say, hey, and I try not to engage in real conversations with them that might lead to something, because I have to, you know, say, hey. But I tell them, like, hey, listen, look at all your little friends that's on the bus stop. With a stroller. Where's the dude who got him pregnant? Mm-hmm. I'll get in the new model. He just put some miles on you. So if I got to put money on something, I'm going to get the new model off the lot. You got miles on you, boo. And they're like, oh, Mr. Ross. I said, "You, where's the guy? You never see the guy. It's always a grown or friend pushing a stroller. Yes. <laughs> where's the guy? And they're like, oh, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. Just, just food for thought. So the big question here, <laughs> the big question then is, is how do you, how do we change that? How we, how do you change culture? And especially, where does God step in? So, I, mm. so my question first: How does God respond to fatherless kids? I think we covered. He, he becomes a, a father to the fatherless, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think also Tadis talked about this earlier. It's um, being a role model, you know, being that person that. It's just an example to these kids, you know. I don't remember doing anything special for Henry. I just remember being myself around Henry, being genuine with him, you know, um, sitting there and just asking him questions, man. Like, so what do you want to do when you grow up? Or what do you, where do you want to work? Where do you see yourself in a year, mm-hmm. you know? And just beginning to, because we know the word does tell us, man, my, my people perish because lack of vision. See, a lot of these kids, man, that we encounter, they have no vision. So if we can get them to start having vision for their life. And if you can have vision for them first, because a lot, most of these kids have never had somebody say, Absolutely. hey, I, I see something. Well, like, like when the, well, I know it was you. The, when somebody's telling you, God has a plan for your life. Oh, yeah. 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 Like, really? Like, for Kobe's real? mom. That's who it was. Yeah. Kobe's mom. Yeah. Kobe's mom. God's got a plan for your life. And then, for speaking of vision, there was an, an, another, another. I know we can fill you guys with stories, but there was this other kid, man, by the name of Daniel. And I remember, a senior, he had, man, it was like, I think like five months to go, and he was failing every class. But then he started coming. Maybe it was a free pizza at the Bible clubs. I don't mm-hmm. know. But he started coming to the Bible club, right? Yeah. Yeah. Special uh, voice. Hey, the miracle of Pizza Hut, man, or Little Caesars. <laughs> little Caesars. Right? Little Caesars. <laughs> That's it. $5 Goes a long pizza. way. Hot and ready. A lot yeah. of hearts that five <laughs> he started coming, man. And, you know, I remember he asked me a question. And maybe he was, he was clowning at first, or I don't know if he was serious or not. But he said, Gabriel, do you think this Jesus that you're talking about, the God of the Bible, will help me graduate? I'm failing every class. And I said, man, man, my Jesus can do anything. But guess what, Daniel? You have to put in the work. Exactly. And he was like, what? And I said, yeah, bro. How about this? And I told him, I'll tell you this. We'll help you. Me and my wife, man, we'll we'll start helping you and we'll we'll keep you accountable. And you start asking for extra credit. These teachers don't want to see you fail. Yes, they do. They have it out for me. Starts playing the victim part. And I said, Mm -hmm. no, they don't. 
They want to see you succeed. So I started talking to them, started questioning them. Make the long story short, June, man, going up there receiving his diploma. He did it. Yeah. He graduated. Yeah. And, he, and, he t- and he told me, he said, Gabriel, thank you for believing in me. Thank you for helping me have vision for my life. And I said, absolutely, man. Now what you're going to do? Because yeah. it, it doesn't stop here. Yeah, this is a start. <laughs> this, uh-huh. is, this is like you're ready now. So well, Now he's got some direction yeah. to oh, take man. that on. Yeah. And what's amazing about that is that's coming from, from a guy. He's talking to you, a guy who dropped out of school. Yeah. You had dropped out and given up on the whole thing. Oh, exactly. <laughs> but when God brought you back around, yeah. you got your degree. Exactly. And then God gave you an opportunity to, to step in and say, it doesn't have to go this way. Exactly. You know, when, when we talk about the, the Bible telling us that God is a father to the fatherless, mm-hmm. you know, I, answering that question, I mean, obviously God, he, he's our example, mm-hmm. you know. But I look around the room right now and he utilizes men, good, you know, godly men to go out there and to be these fathers in certain cases, as you, you know, you said through this story. I mean, you guiding him through his education, yeah. you know, as, as a father normally yeah. would, right, in that yeah. setting. To these, some of the stories you've shared, you know, I, I haven't said a lot about who I am, but in my, in my coaching days, you know, so many of my young men not having fathers, but then just through, through like a ministry of presence, just being around them, being around mm-hmm. them in the hard times, the struggles things they're going through when they're calling me, you know, about stuff, whether it's gang stuff or mm-hmm. girl stuff or mm-hmm. whatever stuff, being there that ministry of presence, mm-hmm. you know, ultimately they're seeing a picture that like, I, I want to be like, what I want to have what you have. I want to be what you, what you are. And it's like that picture of fatherhood. But obviously we point to Christ. Absolutely. You know, we point to Christ because God is the father of the fatherless, but he uses us as tools if we allow him yeah. to. As vessels. And I think that's the awesome yeah. thing about the stories we're hearing is you guys nice. allowing God to use you. And you know who else? I want to give um, a immense amount of credit to our wives. And the reason I say that is because, Amen. especially in my case, and I'm pretty Absolutely. sure our wives have to sacrifice time with us and share us with, and our children have to share, my kids have to share me yes. with other kids. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. then I also have to hold them to a certain standard. Cause I'm like, look, dude, hey, I'm a teacher. So uh sucks for you. You better bring an A. <laughs> I can't be that way. You can't be getting in trouble. You can't be getting suspended. But yet then they have to share me because I only have 24 hours, yeah. you know, and they have to share me with these other kids. And my wife has to be like, okay, I understand that's, that's God's work. Now, that's a whole challenge in itself. <laughs> and I'll say as somebody who's been in ministry since my kids were little, my, mm-hmm. I, got, I became yeah. a youth pastor. My daughter's two. Mm-hmm. And suddenly I've got this. When you're a youth pastor, the needs are endless. Mm-hmm. When you're working with kids. How old is she now real quick to set the scene? She's 21. 21 now. Yeah. Oh, okay. so it's been okay. a while. Okay. That's what I wanted to point out. But Daisy, she just told me, I was talking today, she just told me, I've been in youth ministry my whole life. Because because she's still working with kids. She That's she goes to Romania. She's working with orphans every summer there. She's working with the youth group where she's at out in College of Phoenix. But she was in youth ministry when she was two years old because this was the decision I had to make. I, I was a young guy. I we got we became parents in our early twenties. Mm-hmm. So when I started youth ministry, it was do I go do youth ministry and then come back to my family, or do we go do ministry? And taking a two year old with you to do ministry mm-hmm. is is not easy, but yeah. I made a decision early on. Ministry is going to be a family thing. I don't want ministry to be the thing that took daddy away. Absolutely. Because now that I would reverse the, the reversal that God already made in me, I'd reverse it for the next generation. So it was always the extra step. It was always more difficult, but it, it was always my kids are with me and my kids come first. When, when they need me, they're going to come first. And we're going to do this ministry together. And yeah. 
So far, it's working out. Yeah. The, the tough thing, though, is, and I love that, the tough thing is, is in some of the settings, like as a school teacher, yeah. like when you're there in the classroom, we can't have our kids with us. Back in the days, yeah. they used to do those things. Now, with all the legal issues, you don't take kids to school or work. You know anymore. what's funny? My children have some. They, I, I've, I've brought my kids. Like, hey, you oh. better not, better, you better ever get in this class. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you know, hide them under desks. You know, like I tell you, man, my my principal is one of the yeah, most wonderful true. men. And I say, hey, like for my summer course, my son was going to early college, so I had to teach credit recovery. And I say, hey, you call me, you know, maybe you'll Lyft, maybe you're Uber over here. And you come in my class and you sit down and he's in my class and he's when he gets in the car, he's like, Dad, okay, I get it. I'm like, yeah, I know. But that's good not only for your kids, it's also good, <laughs> good for, for the, the kids that, that you're mentoring. Yeah. Because they see you a whole it's a whole different thing when those kids look up to you just as a man, suddenly you're a family man. Yeah. yeah. Like there's this whole other side of you and they, they see that and it's meaningful and they're like they see the connection between you and your kids, and maybe they haven't seen that before. I mean, it, that's huge. It, it's, it's beautiful. And on top of that, a funny twist is that, listen, my my class named themselves Ross's Rejects. They named them on, on they named their, they were like, we're Ross's Rejects. You have to clarify this. Yeah, name you know, real they quick. named themselves. I said, hey, I, I want that voice That sounds like choice. a reality show I for me. Ownership. I want to see that. What are we going to name our class in my class in my, in my grade book? And he's like, hey, we're Ross's rejects. I'm like, are you guys serious? Hey, let's roll. Let's <laughs> so roll, right? And then so I got all these guys, all these tough guys. And they go back. When I get them to a certain degree or when we, you know, as a collective area, they can go back to the regular high school. Mm-hmm. And those guys look up to me and they protect my kids. <laughs> so I'm good with all the goons. <laughs> and they're like, hey, that's Mr. Ross's son. Hey, no. Because so, they'll take after your heart. They see your heart as a dad protecting your kids. They see your heart as a dad being there for, for your kids. All my kids in youth groups started, like, just yeah. investing in my children. Yeah. Investing time and talking to them, loving on them. My kids were little. They were really yeah. little. And they'd come with us to camp, to mission trips. And I had endless babysitters. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, I'm still around. I'm still hanging around with them. But they're, they're investing. They're playing with the kids when they're, they could be doing all the other camp fun that we have. But they want to mm-hmm. play with my kids. Yeah. Because suddenly they're part of my family. Yeah. And they may, maybe they didn't have that. Some of them did, of course, but some of them didn't. Mm-hmm. They need to, to experience this is just what it's like being part of the family. Yeah. All right, I'm going to move us on because okay. we got some more stuff to cover. I want to talk about how a boy forms his identity as a man. How does that process happen? When you're looking at a little boy now, now all of us here have sons. Yes. yes. And all of us are working with boys. Mm-hmm. What's the process? What things happen? Is it a talk? Is it a, is it a go out to the mountains and... And have the moment is it? A- <laughs> so are we speaking from a position where how do we get these young men to identify to start to formulate their identity as a man? How do they? How do you get them to start seeing themselves as a man? What are they? What things do they need to go through? Uh, you know what? Honestly, almost if it's okay, go for it. Um, and then I'm be brief. No, I, I start telling them about their mortality. Mm. I'm real with them. I'm like, hey, dude, you see that little hyphen on that tombstone? Your homeboy? That's everything he did. Mm. What you want to do? Because you think that you're going to be, you're going to live forever. You're going to be a man long you're going to be a boy. And you're going to be dead long you be a man. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what do you want to do? What legacy do you want to live? Yeah. What, what do you want to do? And they're like, yo, Mr. Ross, like, it's kind of morbid. <laughs> and I'm yeah, like. That's a big step of maturity. <laughs> that the mark of a teenager, mark, mark of immaturity is yeah. thinking you're going to live forever. Yeah. Yes. Thinking like, because you think there's no repercussions. I'll figure it out later. But you start getting real when you realize there's the other side of that. Yeah. Tombs, that, that dash on the tombstone. Yeah. What about you, man? I think the same thing. We start ma- keeping them accountable. You know, you start, like if they say they're going to do something, 
because I get this all the time, man. Yeah, man, I'll go check out the Bible club or I'll go check out the church. And it's like, hey, man, where were you? We missed you last yeah. week. You know, you start keeping them accountable and I start sharing with them, hey, a man is only as good as his word. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, hey, remember that word, palabra? Because they say in the name, <laughs> palabra. Hey, palabra. Like that means word. That's the word. Our word is everything. Uh-huh. So you kind of got to be, I think you got to do life with them. You got to know their lingo and, and, and you can't be yeah. so disconnected from yeah. them. So they feel like, oh, man, like. Mr. Gabriel knows what's up. Yeah. So you like, step you know, into their life, but then you start talking to them in their life about yeah. what it means to be a man. What what a man, man keeps man. his word. Yeah. yeah. Plain and simple. Yeah. And that's a that's a step of, of respect. Yeah. And you start talking to them as if they're a man, exactly. right? Recognize that they're not there yet. But for a lot of boys, that's the first time a grown man has mm-hmm. actually like given them some respect. And just like you respond to that from the gang, yeah. When when they respond to you for the wrong reasons, when you start responding for the right reasons, that's meaningful, though, boy. And, and you're transparent, and 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 you're flawed, you know. Like, and I I, I don't hide my transgressions. Mm-hmm. I don't hide my struggles from my students. I'm like, hey, man, listen, I get it. I know you like women. I like women too. That's why I said it's hard to be faithful, bro. Mm-hmm. But that's why we're doing with hard things. And that's what we're called to do. That's what men do. Yeah, that's what men do. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then, matter of fact, Pastor Lee. He told us from Monroe Fellowship, and it's the best thing I've ever, I tell my students, he said, boys take and men give. Boys take. Are you going to be a boy? You're going to be a man. Men give your time. You give up your talent. You give mm-hmm. up your, your resources. You give up your love. Boys take. So how long you want to be a boy? So, so how, do you guys, <laughs> how do you guys show these things? How do you show these examples? To not, I mean, to your sons, one. Yeah. But two, to the, the young men you're encountering, I think by by just living it out, being an example to them, every opportunity. I mean, I wish I could tell you, man, hey, all these kids are coming uh, to the to our Bible studies every single week, you know. And they're all but, stepping up being perfect. Yeah, yeah, but but it they're not, man. It, it's it's being consistent, like you said, the ministry of presence, mm-hmm. and you know, just um, encouraging them, man, and just doing life with them, not being afraid. To, for you yourself to let them in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, man, I struggle with that too. Yeah. I get angry too, you know? And then sharing what God has done in your life. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. When you invest the time, the, the the just the doors and the opportunity, the conversation, you know? Yeah. They, because they, you know this, um, to these guys, uh, these young men, they put on a facade in front of their friends. Yeah. They're not going to give you the real, like, what they're feeling. But yeah. we know that already. So yeah. I'm not going to put them on the spot either. Facts. You know, I'm not going to put them. Like I'm call say, them out. You're I'm not, not going to call, call them yeah. out. But I'm going to wait to the right opportunity. I'm going to say, hey, can I, let me talk to you very quick. You know, I give them that respect. I pull them to the side and I say, hey, remember that comment you said? I wouldn't do that to you. And then I start talking to them like, why are you disrespecting me? And then, and then their eyes kind of light up and then you start talking to them. Right. And then start challenging them in a godly way. you know. Yeah. And then just kind of I think we have a saying in the neighborhood. Real recognizes real. R-R-R. You know? Real <laughs> recognizes real. And it's like yeah. these kids begin to see like, hey, man, this guy and he loves Jesus. Yeah. You know, yeah, he's solid. He's solid. Like All he's right. solid. Now, speaking about Jesus, I want to I want to talk yeah. about where Jesus comes into this, yeah. okay. because most of the stuff we talked about, this could be. 
It could be this Christian could, or not. Uh-huh. It's just manhood. Uh-huh. But when Jesus comes in, that tra- that changes our picture of manhood. Mm-hmm. It transforms. So we're going to talk about that. But first, we're going to we're going to do our throwdown because oh, it's throwdown time. time. Okay, it's time go. for throwdown. Brad's got a question for us, and he's going to lay out the rules. Just real quick, some rules. Just read your verse. Uh, keep it brief. And this one's going to be a little bit different because you're also going to add a little bit of what the world says in terms mm-hmm. of what we're going to talk about, and then the what the Bible says uh, with your verse. So. Basically, keep it brief. Uh, penalty cards may be given to Deese. You're going to get one, man. You're going to get one. <laughs> I mean, don't hold back. Yeah, right. don't hold back. Let's go. Uh, so pretty simple, though. Everybody good? Everybody good? Yeah. All right, here you go. Question is, what are the essential biblical characteristics of manhood? Chris, what do you got? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start us out by laying it out. This is a verse that I gave my son and the boy. We do manhood talks. Okay. I mean, my, my son's 18 now, and we've been doing manhood talks since he was 11. About the time he was 14 or 15, we started inviting some other boys. Mm-hmm. So we go out and we talk manhood, and this was, this was our core verse. First Corinthians 16, 13. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Do everything in love. We use that as a foundation. That mm-hmm. word courageous in Greek is literally be men. Yeah. Just yeah. that. Mm-hmm. It got translated to courageous because that's, that's what usually we think yeah. of. Uh-huh. But I, I took the, the four pillars right there, faith, courage, strength, and love are all right there. And for me, those are the things I talk about to boys about being a man. So we're going to take those things one at a time. So we'll start out with faith. What does the world say is faith? What does the Bible say? Tadis, what do you got for us? So um, Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I have 1 John 4.20, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. Mm-hmm. For who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so worldly faith is contingent on a tangible and measurable evidence presenting itself to renew and expand that faith. Biblical faith states that you may never receive or observe a physical manifestation of that faith on earth, but salvation awaits through grace. Mm-hmm. That's the teacher's answer. We walk by faith, <laughs> not by sight. That's yep. right. Yep. Gabriel, what That's do you good. got for us? Well, yeah, the, the world will say to trust and believe in no one but yourself. You know, right. me, myself, and I, and, mm-hmm. you know, believe whatever you want. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Mm. And I like that, diligently. You know, I tell the boys, con ganas. That means like, you got to want it, man. You got to win that, dog. Yeah. And they're like, all right, all right, eh. You know, so I think it's just being diligent. Yeah, fight right a on. good fight. Yeah. All right, well, the next one we have is courage. So what, what does the world tell us? What does the Bible tell us, Denise? Okay, so um, the Bible, I'm going to go off with that one, is um, Romans 8, 35 through 37. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So courageously, we're more than conquerors. I tell, I tell my students, I tell my sons, listen, dude, you're more than a conqueror, not by you, by the love, by, by Christ, by the power of Christ Jesus. He's made you more than a conqueror. So let's get to it. You know nothing can beat you. You got all the courage in the world. Yes, yeah, yep. you know. Yeah, so, that's yeah. good. So, Gabriel, my yeah. mind's similar to, to these. You know, the world says, tell it like it is, and don't let no one try and get over on you, mm-hmm. right? Manly courage. You stand up for whatever you believe in, right? But in Deuteronomy 31, 6, 
The word says, be strong and of good courage and do not be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Mm. Man, God being there with us, right? Courage in him. All right, let's move on to strength. Chris, you're going to jump in on this one. Okay, I got one. Proverbs 2.14, better a patient person than a warrior, one Mm. with self-control than one who takes a city. I use this one to break up fights between boys. (laughs) (laughs) When boys start going at it, and, and and I ask them, all right, which takes more strength? To fight back just because he said something or to hold back to, to fight against yourself, to, to fight back that what's stirring up inside of you, who's a stronger person? Mm-hmm. It's that self-control. And, and it says stronger than one who takes an entire city. That's real strength. That's real strength. The, the world looks and says, whoever can beat the other guy up, that's strength. Yeah, no. Exactly. No. The Bible says it's the one who can hold himself back. That's real strength. Mm-hmm. Gabriel, add for me here. Yeah, the world says exactly like Chris said, the world says, believe in yourself and you will find the strength to do anything you want, right? <laughs> Man, well, we, we know what Philippians 4.13 says. Mm-hmm. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mm-hmm. And me, it's always going back to Christ. You know, when these kids realize, hey, man, Gabriel is who he, who he is today because of Christ. Amen. You know, Amen. God be the glory. Amen. Amen. You know? Amen. All right, let's deal with this, this last one here, love. And and how you treat women, Tadish, you're gonna uh, you're gonna give us a little bit more of a statement. Yeah, it was a um, statement. And and I'll tell you guys this, this real quick. It's just when you get into love, you know, it, it's crazy what our boys think love is today at, in a worldly standard exactly. versus yeah. what a true love is biblically. Mm-hmm. So, Tadish, what do you got for us? Well, this was pertaining to um, love and also how the I treat the women, mm-hmm. right? And um. And I had to say through my story, some of the strongest men that I knew were women, you know, and I say that with all respect to them. They carried the mantle of leadership, accountability and responsibility immaculately. These women are so strong that I would unfairly criticize women who I deemed weak, dependent and fragile. So I would it, it, it really it's it, it made my perspective askew. It was jaded. It was biased. It wasn't it wasn't true because I'm like mm-hmm. when I would see a woman, I'm like, why are you, why are you acting that way? What do you mean you can't change your oil? What's the problem? (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean you can't change your oil? At the same time. Yeah, Yeah. what's your problem? You know, let me tell you what my mom did. (laughs) And and my mom was put in that position, and she stood up. And then not knowing that, my father, everybody just had to shift. So I had to recalibrate Mm -hmm. and say, hey, just because my wife says she needs me, you know, that doesn't make her weak. That doesn't make... That should, that should make me feel good. That yeah. she no, needs we've me. got a reality in our society where <laughs> women have stepped up in many cases because the man hasn't. Uh-huh. And like, like the Old Testament story of Deborah, who said, if a man's not going to do it, I'm, I'll go into battle if yeah. that's what needs mm-hmm. to be done. Uh-huh. And a lot of women have stepped up to that role. It, mm-hmm. If it's a father role, if a father's needed, a woman takes that, that place, then they'll do what needs to be done. And I've seen some courageous women taking care of their family because it needs to be done. And I look around and say, where's the dad to take where's the this dad? place? And that, that's, a, that's a pressure. That's a a stress that she shouldn't have to take. I'm going to get carded up. You're, you're about to. <laughs> that wasn't even mine. <laughs> Gabriel, talk to me about machismo. Yeah. Machismo. machismo man. man, machismo, man. In, in my culture that I grew up in, which is Mexican, Hispanic culture, you know, like I said, you, you treat women like they're kind of almost like second class, you know, mm-hmm. you don't, you, you don't give them the same value as men. And um, thank God that, I didn't, he, he, he transformed me and got rid of that inside of me, you know, yeah. because 
man, knowing my wife, that that would have never flew, man, you in my house. Oh yeah, no, man, she would have. She would have been looking at a hot one, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I try to get crazy with a her, you know, yeah. But um, I think I think um, the word says in First John three eighteen, you know, my little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Yeah, so, so actions speak louder than words, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. If we say we love them, well, let's demonstrate that love do because it. our children are watching. Yep. You yes, know, sir. if I say like, hey, I'll do anything for my wife. Really? Okay. And then my kids, and it's kind of, I'll be honest, man. Sometimes it's it, it's a pretty humbling thing. I see the dishes just piled up. I don't know how we can get that many dishes, but that's another story. Yeah. <laughs> piled up, right? And like to D said, my wife is exhausted, man. And this is where the battle gets real. You know, he's like, all right, let's ha- I'm exhausted. I've been running all day. It's got to get taken care of, so I'm doing it. But I know my boys are watching, and the amazing part, man, it's action. You know, they're seeing love in action. Mm-hmm. amazing part is they'll come and help me. Be like, hey, Dad, all right. And then it's and it becomes a game. Then it's teamwork. Yeah, let's get yeah. this done. But, see, I've never seen my dad wash a dish growing up. Mm-hmm. i never seen my dad warm up a tortilla, you know, <laughs> or warm up a, a, a never. Never seen any of that because the men that I was around, they're used to getting served. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, with the with the boys that I, I when I was working as a youth pastor, when I had boys at a camp, boys at, on a mission trip, and I'll, I'll tell you this: if you go on a mission trip, you go on the mission field, oh, yeah. it's eighty percent women. That's the reality of the mission field today. It's eighty percent women. My son's going to a to a missions college. He's starting in uh, next month. Bethany Global University, great mm-hmm. school, great mission. People are getting ready to go around the world. Eighty percent girls. Because that, that's the state of those who are going out courageously. So when I had boys with me, everything we did, you let the girls go first. You, you yeah. open the door. You, mm-hmm. you do everything. You protect the girls. I put two boys at the front, two boys at the back. You guys are on lookout because mm-hmm. we're protecting because we got mostly girls on this trip. You're looking out for them. It was always setting the example. Boys were stepping up. We're doing the dishes for the girls. Mm-hmm. Because I want them to see and I participate. I, I, I'm part of it. Yep. All right. I'm going to do one last verse, and then we're going to close out the podcast about love. And I, I've come to this one because it can really be read wrong, and I want you to see this right. 1 Peter 3, 7. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives, and treat them with respect as the weaker partner, and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now, I could pin, I, I could just pick out one little part and say, Weaker partner and say, all right, God says that women are weak. And so I take my boys through this to say, well, now hold on. Is that, you think that's what God wants to tell you here? He says, husbands, be considerate. In other words, think it through as you live with your wives, treat them with respect. This whole thing is about respect and thinking about your wife. So here's what you're supposed to think about. Did God make your wife weaker than you. Well, physically speaking, mm-hmm. this is the case most of the time. But think what else the Bible says about weakness. He is strong in my weakness. Mm-hmm. God's strength more often comes through in weakness. I'll tell you what I've seen in your mom, son. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, what I've seen in the women in my life. God's strength comes through in their weakness. Yes. So you need to be considerate and respect that God maybe made that them that way for a reason. Maybe he gave you a little extra strength because you're supposed to protect, but you're going to see God's strength come through a woman in a way that you'd, you'd never see in a man. Mm-hmm. You're going to see that in your mom. So be considerate. Mm. And he says, 
as co-heirs, as heirs together. With now that part of the verse, Denise is looking at me like, "You gonna, you gonna get that part?" Yes, co-heirs, <laughs> co-heirs, heirs with you. In other words, they have the same inheritance you do. She's a daughter, you're a son. You are equal in God's sight, but God made you different for a reason, and mm-hmm. you need to respect that. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'm going to finish up. We got, we got one more episode to do in this series, and I want to start talking about race and where race comes in because we're sitting around the table. We don't all look the same here. We got three bald guys. This guy's left out. I don't know what. <laughs> yeah, he got that's it. That's not fair, Gabriel. Yeah, you got I'm sorry, Gabriel. Man, he got a hair full of hair. You'll get there someday. Don't mm-hmm. worry, kid. <laughs> yeah, but you got a pretty daughter. Start... You'll get stressed out. You're like, uh-uh, you ain't going to prom. <laughs> when we start talking identity formation, we're going to do one more episode. We're going to talk about how manhood identity formation looks through the color, the, the lens of race. That's key. Through our color, and yes. where Jesus steps into that. Yes. Denise, thanks for coming in. Gabriel, thanks for doing it. Brad, thanks for being yep. here. Thanks we're going to close out this episode. Thank you, listeners, for listening to the Soul Podcast. That'll do it for episode three. Great discussion. Great guests. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. You know, as a parent, I don't know if there is a bigger challenge that we face in life than raising our kids to be adults. There's a lot that goes into it. And in the Christian world, we get a lot of advice and input and books and how-tos. Sadly, a lot of them seem to present this idea that if you just did everything God's way, it would be easy and your kids turn out perfect. Well, it's not, and they don't. And that kind of perfectionism or legalism from other Christians too often turns into shaming from people who should be offering grace. So I want to make sure that we extend that here. This show is about grace in the real world. God's grace for us when we struggle, when we fail, and when life is just hard. This topic about raising boys and especially about reaching fatherless kids, it's a complex one. With my son, we started manhood talks back when he was 11. But it wasn't just talks. He also needed an opportunity to live, to take on real responsibility, because that's part of manhood. So Caleb was actually through the words first employee, also at 11 years old, and I gave him real responsibility. And if he didn't do his job, our website was down and people didn't have their Bible study. And I started out knowing that he would have days where he failed and he would learn from failure and he would have the opportunity to step up to responsibility because boys need opportunity to do something that matters, where others depend on them. They need opportunity to succeed or to fail, and they need a dad who offers grace either way. And that's what our heavenly dad offers, grace when we fail, when we succeed. So I hope that's what you heard from us today. And I just had to sneak in a little extra here where Brad can't red card me again. Take that, Brad! Well, we're coming back to this topic just one more time. Episode 4 will bring back Tadis and Gabriel for a conversation about the role that race plays in manhood and identity formation and what that means for us as Christians. It was another powerful conversation, and I look forward to sharing that with all of you. And we'll finally get the rest of Gabriel's story and find out what happened when the man he shot those years earlier tracked him down and not with the intent to forgive. Now, quick reminder of our contest launching next week. We need your help to get the Soul Podcast up into the new and noteworthy section on iTunes and featured on Spotify. To help us do that, we need you to do four things, and these four also get you entered into our contest. And we're giving away a bunch of great Through the Word and Soul Podcast swag. All you got to do is rate, review, subscribe, and share. 
Any one of those helps, but all four is even better. So you can get started on that now, and we'll give you the rest of the details for the contest next week. Rate, review, subscribe, and share. No purchase necessary, because we don't sell anything. Remember, new episodes premiere every Friday. You can subscribe and get all of our episodes wherever great podcasts are found. And check out our YouTube channel to see it in the studio. Videos coming soon. You can also find every episode at soulpodcast.com. That's S-O-L-E podcast.com. The Soul Podcast is a production of Through the Word. If you like this podcast, you're going to love Through the Word with audio guides for every chapter in the Bible. Join us for an epic journey through the entire Bible and understand the Bible in just 10 minutes a day. Get the app free at throughtheword.org. The Soul Podcast is listener supported. You can donate on the throughtheword.org website. All gifts are tax deductible. Our producer is Brad Hornback. Audio production by Kira Joy. Editing by yours truly. Video production by Michael Kincaid and Daniel Torres. On behalf of the whole team at The Soul Podcast, thanks for joining us. You heard the story. Now go talk about it. Share a post. Tell a friend. Start a conversation. And we'll see you in the next one. You gotta hear that story.